This month on the Ninja Tune podcast, our producer Jack Smith sat down with Marabou State to discuss their beginnings in music, their recording process, and the September release of their most recent album, Kingdoms in Colour, via Ninja Imprint Counter Records. Marabou State will be heading out on tour across the UK and North America in early 2019, including a massive show at London's Brixton Academy. You can find out more on their website, maribustate.co.uk slash tour. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. State, thank you so much for joining us on the Ninja Tune podcast. Thank you for having us. You're welcome, thank you. Um, for those that uh, don't know, as a sort of introduction to uh, you guys, how did you first start like making music together? Um, we we first started making music when we were about fifteen or sixteen, because um, we grew up in the same village. And um, Liam had a band when we were at school, um, and the bass player from that band was leaving, so. I ended up asking if I could join the band or Liam asked me to join and then from there on we kind of worked in bands together for a few years and then went to university and yeah kind of continued from there um, but but Marabou State actually formed when we were about 20 and we Seven were leaving years, yeah yeah. Years yeah well you obviously uh, you released your album on Kingdoms in Colour this year on uh, on Ninja Tune and Print Counter but What's the what's the story behind the the album title if there is one? Um, I think the title came around from we just wanted a title that kind of encapsulated the feeling that it was an album that was inspired by a lot of different places and um, a lot of different people and and I guess it had been written over the course of three years where we'd been travelling a lot and that title just felt quite like unifying and quite positive. The lead single um, off the album featured Houston's um, Karangabin. Uh, I was just wondering, how, how, how did that collaboration come about? So we became fans of theirs just before we put our album out. And then when we come to do our London headline show at Coco, around about 2016, we invited them to support us. Uh, and we got to meet them then and kind of made friends and stayed in contact over the following years and just basically said that one day we would like to, like we both wanted to collaborate on a track and work together. And we tried loads of different options and. It was kind of looking like we weren't going to get anything together and then towards the end of the writing process we managed to get a song with them featuring on it which was a, a big like accomplishment for us.
when you were putting together the album, sort of linking into what you guys were talking about in terms of the uh, the spirit of uh, it being an album of many different sort of places, um, you've used a lot of uh, field recordings, and uh, I was just wondering, like, what what kind of inspired you to consciously use like more organic sounds? I think it was probably just listening to artists like Burial and stuff when we were at uni, and initially that sparked the interest of like getting found sound and and going out with a field recorder. Um, and then when we moved back down from Leeds, Liam ended up buying a field recorder and we'd go out like, around the village or when we were away like, on holiday we'd just go out and like, record like hitting gates and stuff like that or like you know whatever just to make like a weird like drum sound or, um, or more just atmospheric stuff of like people just talking in a cafe or um, yeah I guess it kind of spiraled from that and I think for us field recordings have always been used in a way that they kind of connect the dots a little bit and they help um, they help kind of like merge and, and kind of after tracks in a way which is a weird way and create like a bit more of like a personal touch as Yeah well. I was going to say to add it's like um, it's like having that personal connection especially with some of the songs that are written uh, like abroad or where we've travelled and been inspired by a place it's really nice to actually put something in there from that time and then you have like a direct memory linked to it it kind of feels more personal more tangible as well mm. so uh, in the spirit of that like where, where were some of the places that you feel like you either got the best film recordings or your 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 favorite place to to, to kind of find those sounds what uh it's kind of it depends really but one of the trips that we did was quite fruitful was after we did our first tour over in india um chris and i after the the gigs we went off separately and kind of had a holiday and travelled around the country a bit and at that point Chris had brought a field recorder as well so we were both capturing stuff and uh, there was we both got a lot of really good stuff from that trip and used a lot of it on the album actually which was really nice. Do you think uh, on that on that sort of you know on the tip of uh, the field recordings in uh, in India, are there any um, specific environments or landscapes that you feel kind of really inspired this specific album? Um, yeah, it's a place in India which actually we didn't travel to during um, the writing of the album, but it's a place called Srinagar, which is like um, it's kind of yeah it is in the Himalayas still, but I just feel like that landscape kind of perfectly fits in with the sound. Of oh yeah, Lake Dal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's something about just, because <clears throat> you can stay on houseboats there in the middle of the lake and you can look out and you can see the Himalayas in the distance and I just feel like that sound, is always that image has always been in my head when we were writing the album. And we had a track actually that was called Trinagar, right? At the beginning. It was one of the first tracks well, that they written. Um, so I guess, subconsciously maybe that's always been in um, been there kind of in the background. Yeah, 
so where was the uh, where was the album recorded? Was it sort of uh, a, a mix of a mix of places um, on tour? Was it like one specific studio? Or yeah, the uh, we started. So the, the main process t- towards the, from the first album, sorry, t- towards the second album, was that we left Hertfordshire, moved into London, and we got this studio that we're in now. Um, so we, we we got this new space and we bought a load of new kit. We set everything up and initially we started writing and recording here over the course of like a year which was why we were still touring the portrait stuff as well and uh, we started to realize that we weren't really getting much of a result just from the big shift of moving into the city like new studio and our lives had changed quite dramatically as well with how much we were touring and leaving home properly like for the first time Um, so then we started kind of doing these writing trips with our friend Jack who obviously heavily featured on the first album's pedestrian and the second album is featured quite a lot as well and we started basically hiring these like cottages out in like the Cotswolds or down in like the North Downs in Kent and we would basically pack the studio up and drive there spend two weeks just writing kind of isolated turn our phones off and just did that like four or five times was it was I think, it yeah it was like yeah I think we did four or five stuff. trips and that became really fruitful for going away and writing and kind of getting inspired and I think it was probably a bit of a throwback to how the first album was made and it was made in the shed in like my parents garden and we weren't really disturbed when we were in the countryside so I think we were kind of like pining after that again and that that kind of so we did write a lot of the initial ideas there and then we would come back and kind of finish them off in the studio here and then towards the end of the kind of two two and a half year process of the writing it was solely in the studio the last like four months in the lead up to to finishing it we were just in here like hashing it out every day um, but yeah, mostly, I guess it has mostly been tracked here in London. process like you said that obviously pedestrian was quite heavily involved in it but um, do you prefer to just almost completely cut yourself off or is there anything you were listening to at the time that you felt like particularly you know in, in that time and place that like influenced the album we we do tend to try and like listen to a lot of music whilst we're writing um, I think that generally when we are writing though I guess we are quite busy and we, we are solely focused on that so it's not like we'll wake up every day and try and like listen to something new or put on a couple of records, but like I guess at the start of the week if or, or towards the end of the week if we're if we're running out of ideas then we'll we'll like put on a playlist and then something will usually trigger an idea. But I guess during during that time, um, 
Unknown Mortal Orchestra released the album Multi Love right at the start of us writing Kingdoms in Colour, and that was massively inspirational for us mm -hmm. in terms of like the sound that he had and like him using lots of tape and like the sonic palette of it. Um, and Radiohead's last album, um, Moonshake Paul. Yeah, Moonshake Paul was massively inspirational as well. Alabama uh, Shakes. Yeah, Sound, sound and Colour by Alabama yeah. Shakes. Um, that sounds incredible. And so I think we were trying to kind of in a way replicate that in our own way. Um, and Krungbin, I guess, has been a massive inspiration for us, hence us trying to, trying to work with them. Um, oh, there's a band called um, the Durdo Band oh, yeah. from Somalia. They, I think they disbanded back in the 80s. But that sound definitely fed into us trying to look to get some more influence from stuff outside of like, Europe. I think. What would you say, um, not, not even necessarily uh, stuff that you were listening to around recording the album, but what records are in heaviest rotation in your, in your collection at the moment? Um, do you know what? It's been a lot of um, like falling into that Spotify trap of just like building playlists and getting lost in their algorithms and like I think more so for me than Chris, but I find a lot of like stuff I like through the Discover Weekly and like and kind of the playlists they generate. Um, on the weekend, I um, got some of my records out at home and I had Sly and the Family Stone um, fresh. Album one, which was actually a massive inspiration on this record. Um, what else? I think I put on like James Blake's album Overgrown on the weekend. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's just quite varied, really. There's not anything that I would go back to like regularly. No, I, I kind of do for short periods of time. Like I listened a lot to the new Kajabane album, like recently, and had that on quite heavily rotation. But then I, it kind of just gets pushed aside. Yeah. The King Crow album actually was something I listened to recently, since the release. Um, oozed. Yeah. Is it Oozed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
guitar. It's just kind of like dipping in and out and then like in the interim, just kind of feeding off that like Spotify algorithm, which seems for me anyway to be worth it. Yeah, it works a dream for you. I don't, yeah, it's annoying. I jumped on it this morning and just went for a release radar and Discover Weekly and just didn't find a single thing. You've got to give it time. I know, I know, but yeah. It started off really badly for me, and then it's like a year in, I've started to reap the rewards. Uh, you released a single named after one of your favourite clubs, the um, the now shuttered London Institution uh, Term Mills. Um, would you say you had some of your formative musical experiences there? Um, yeah, it was it was one of the first clubs that I went to. I think I, I think it was the second. I think Fabric was the first when I was at seventeen, and then the next time on my eighteenth, we tried to go to Fabric, and the queue was like snaking around the corner. So we all went like round the corner because that time was just like about 100 meters away or something from Fabric. So we kind of stumbled on it by accident, um, and half of us got into Termos, and then the other half. I think you were there that night, but yeah, I actually didn't go till two weeks later. So I've never really thought about this, but I ended up in a bar called Fluid, which also there was some really good like house music playing, and so we both had the same experience of like going to wanting to go to like a true player's drum bass like whatever. And then ended up like hearing like electro and house music. So we probably should have called the tune "Fluid" instead of "Turmoil." <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I don't know how formative my experience was at Turmoil. I like as much as I loved the club on that particular night. It didn't. Re I didn't really discover anything new. Whereas like Liam came away from a little sushi bar, being like fully and he was inspired. Like, wow, like we just heard this yeah. music and we don't know what it is. I'm playing this just, like, before it, it, she DJ Colin Dale was playing. Yeah, and, and we were just like sh not even Shazam back then. We were just like asking him for ev literally every tune that like, he was playing, like. What is this? What is this? What is this? And then for years after, we tried to like replicate those tunes in our previous project. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite funny actually. <laughs> but yeah, I guess um, as a club though, Turnmills is, is a place we visited again yeah. for the next like two or three years because I, I think it didn't close down that long after we first went. No, no. probably a couple of years. Um, but it was definitely a club that between all of our friends, it was our favorite. And it just had like so many like nooks and crannies in it. And like, it had five rooms, I think, and different music in every room, and like different genres in every room. So I think it was just for us, like a really exciting place to go. Um, I also turned our heads to look at other clubs as well. Yeah. Because obviously we knew a fabric, which is why we come into London to yeah. try and go there. And then both having discovered different clubs, it was like, well, what else is there? So it was kind of like not so much spending a lot of time there but that opening our eyes up to like the possibilities of other clubs as well. other sort of uh, formative venues apart from um, you obviously mentioned uh, Fabric 
but were there any other venues that really stick out in your head, like L London clubs that, that you remember, like, just it blowing your mind, like, how much you could discover in terms of the, the, the programming or the, the tunes that the, the DJs were playing? Um, yeah, the, the End yeah, was also um, a massive club for us. Again, more for, like, drum and bass, but then I do remember towards the later years, it started putting on Together Nights, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. Um, Canvas was one as Yeah, well. Canvas was was an amazing club. Um, that was part of the whole the Canvas, the Cross and the Key, which were in King's Cross. And they, again, all got shut down, I'm pretty sure, like within the same year. We were at one of the last nights there. I, I think, think it was yeah, the yeah, last yeah, night. Yeah, when we, like a New Year's Eve party that we went to with like Boys Noise or whatever. That was like, yeah, uh, that was very inspiring. I think that was the last ever night. And then it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't long after that. It all just got like knocked down. That's built. So basically, from your perspective, you've experienced firsthand how hard it is to keep a venue open <laughs> in this city. Yeah, that's that is very true. Even since moving to London, there's certain venues that we go to. We went to a few times. I'm like this is cool, and then it would disappear. Yeah. It's like, oh great, that's gone. Never really had like a, an institution or like a, a place that we've visited time in time out. That's like part of us growing up, or especially not being from London or living in London. So we're always dipping in and out. And even, do you know what, even like we studied up in Leeds, like some of the clubs that there, like they shut down as well when they've gone now and they changed ownerships. Like, yeah, but I guess less so because even say like um, there's a club up there called Mint, which is just one around. that we used to go to, but that like has quite a long lifeline. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, been open yeah. for a long time. Whereas clubs in London, I guess, Fabric obviously has had a long lifeline, but it has been shut down and it's reopened. And it's, yeah, it's just one of those kind of, um, it's a city where nightlife does become quite transient, I guess. Is there um is there any city you've either like played in or, or, or toured in that you feel has a nightlife scene that you would like to see like emulated? Like have you ever got to a place, someone's taking you on a night out and gone like this is exactly how it's yeah, supposed to be? It's a bit of an obvious answer, but, but I think I'd probably answer for both of us on it saying Berlin is like a place that we love, like where we really truly like relish the nightlife and we get stuck in and there's a lot of clubs we like and 
lot of live venues as well and we've been inspired by it and also like even just hearing recently about like their the new moves to like fund like projects to help them soundproof the venues and stuff like that like they, they really do know how to look after their nightlife because they see it as like a popular and valuable part of their industry and I think there's definitely a lot to be learned from the way they do things over there. Actually yeah. nurturing the nighttime economy. Exactly, like, yeah, allowing it to be a bit more free economy. as well because like obviously you have to be safe and you have to have security and stuff but I can't help but feel sometimes with the security that you, you have to approach in London to get into a club by the time you get in the kind of vibe's been completely yeah, stripped yeah, because you've gone through such a vigorous like it's not as if you're flying like internationally or something like you just it's not yeah it's not a very good vibe but yeah Berlin definitely yeah without a doubt I think when was it we first went it was like was that four years ago? Did we DJ we played, there first? Yeah, we played Watergate. played at Watergate, yeah. and then we went out to a club called Catablau afterwards, and a friend took us there, and we both got inside, and it was like being 18 again, and we were just so excited. Like, yeah. This is like insane, like what you're allowed to get up to in there. It's just such a sense of freedom. Like they the had like fire pits, well. yeah. The, yeah, the people you meet, they had like fire pits outside, which obviously you wouldn't even get a sniff at in the UK, like. Imagine, imagine that, but um, and yeah, people were kind of just dressed how they want, doing what they want, and obviously it's difficult to get into the clubs, but I guess that, that there's a reason for that because you are kind of allowed to sort of like just um, just, just give it a little bit, yeah. yeah. sort of album announcement uh, you did an all-night set at uh, Corsica Studios in in support of the uh, Save Nightlife campaign um, how, how did that how did that initially come about and uh, is it that it tied into some theme of the album or was it literally just like no this is this is bullshit and we, we really need to it's it's both you know like we care obviously we care about the nightlife in London a lot and we're aware of what's going on and we've we're also very um, open to charity work as well and we like to do as much as that's possible and the timing was just perfect because we'd also had we had the track terminals that was kind of written and named in honor of the club and obviously with, with its closure and stuff it kind of just got everybody thinking that like we should do something about it and this is the perfect tool essentially to raise some awareness and also raise some money it was also um, off the back of um shapes closing which is the oh, club yeah. underneath our studio and that is kind of that was actually kind of the catalyst to the, the, the original, the original yeah. idea of the track because it was written like the day after we put on we a party like a down, party day, yeah. um, and it was kind of in the last few months of the club's lifeline. But um, so yeah, we we wrote that, and then kind of it just felt like something that might have we might have heard back in the day at, at, in Turmoils, but in a very warped way, if you, if you know what I mean. And then I guess like Liam said, off the back of that, 
it felt like the right thing to do to kind of dedicate it towards London nightlife. kind of have coming up like what does what's the sort of future hold for you guys in, in uh, 2019 um lots of touring yeah i had yeah. loads of touring in in february we're heading to the states um and we've got like a three-week tour there that goes uh it's starting on the east coast and finishes in phoenix phoenix um and then we come back and then we're doing brixton academy which is pretty nuts um and then doing a tour of Europe for three weeks. We're basically like, obviously we spent such a long time on the record, the live side of it is very important to us. So now it's like our time to really just like hit the gas on that and, and just do as many shows as possible and just kind of like showcase the album in a way. Like, you know I mean? Like the live side of it for us is the best way to, for people to hear it. So we're just gonna go out and do that all next year and then uh, see where we end up. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Cool, yeah, nice one for coming down.
smoking the earth.